and a warm welcome. You're joining us at Hyde Park on Other Than a 24. As Sri Lanka is looking forward to an IMF program that could potentially bail out Sri Lanka as Sri Lanka faces the worst economic crisis in decades or even since independence. Um, at Hyde Park tonight, we thought of talking about what structural uh, reforms and financial plans Sri Lanka needs to implement here in the economy as we look to work with the IMF. I've invited to join us virtually from Pakistan, um, former IMF resident representative to Sri Lanka from year 2000 to 2003, um, Dr. Nadeem Ulhaq, who is uh, instrumental in um, implementing several public structure reforms in Sri Lanka. A very warm welcome to you, Dr. Ulhaq. Thank you for joining us at this time. Thank you very much. Good to be back in Sri Lanka virtually. Yes, it's indeed uh, a pleasure to have you. Um, we're talking about an IMF program. Um, what at the initial stage does this mean to us now? Uh, where we are looking at an IMF program in June um, as, as technical talks have concluded? Look, uh, the, um, Pakistan has a similar situation. I'm a little remote from Sri Lanka right now. I've been following Sri Lanka as well as I should. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you very briefly what's happening here because it's kind of similar to Sri Lanka. Right. Um, I think both of us have been um, kind of stuck in the past because we want to create a welfare state before our time. And within the welfare state, we want to uh, continue with the old colonial legacy, both maintaining the colonial state and both trying to maintain this system of a tight labor market and also trying to maintain the system of giving subsidies and welfare to people. And in this globalized environment, we have not been competitive enough in terms of setting up industries and production units that are competitive. We've been trying to subsidize agricultural markets. We've been trying to subsidize our um, industrialists. And that model, unfortunately, is not sustainable in this world. Uh, when um, we got independence, Sri Lanka was supposed to be the Dubai of um, of uh, the South, of South Asia. Right. I remember my parents' generation, they used to want to go to Colombo just like people want to go to Dubai. Colombo was something that my parents' generation looked up to because they thought that this was a free port and it was, you know, things were happening there. There was radio, um, whatever, coming from Sri Lanka. But then Sri Lanka obviously took a turn towards uh, more um, interventionist economy and protecting employment through laws rather than through creating jobs and protecting farmers. Uh, I think that's a similar thing that happened out in Pakistan. Now, Dubai stole the crown. What did Dubai do? Basically, Dubai created an open economy for uh, with investment opportunities and people to do whatever they liked. They took capital from Pakistan as well as India and many other countries, they just opened up their economy and said, guys, come here right. and invest. You okay. can buy real estate, you can set up shop, you can do whatever you like. Okay. This is something that Sri Lanka should have done many years ago and didn't do. 
This is something Pakistan should have done many years ago and didn't do. And the reason we are in trouble now is there are so many structural difficulties in our economies. There are so many structural difficulties in our economies. The agricultural market is not working. The goods market is not working. People are dependent on subsidies, which is draining the fiscal account. People are now, with those subsidies, people are buying imports. Mm -hmm. Now, imports obviously need to be paid for. When we can't pay for the imports because we don't have enough exports, then we have an issue. And that's what we are facing right now, in short. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, I, I think uh, we kept losing your video, but we, uh, we did hear you very Sorry. clearly, uh, Dr. Ulhak. So that's clear to us. But mm -hmm. as we speak today, we're talking about the United States raising its interest rates for the first time in many years an aggressive move. Uh, in the UK too, we're talking about a rate hike. And uh, we see consumer prices affecting not just the developed world, but other countries as well. Of course, Sri Lanka took a hit um, a, a little earlier. And, uh, and I do understand as you talk about uh, policies that Sri Lanka should have implemented prior to this. But how do you draw comparison here? What happened to Sri Lanka so early that the world, uh, the rest of the world is facing now? And there are talks of a recession that the US is also entering into. Look, the issue is that, quite frankly, we've had fun times for roughly um, since 2008. Since 2008, the last global crisis, the global economy has moving, been moving up quite rapidly. You know, there has been a kind of a boom throughout this period. All booms come to an end, everything happens. Um, you know, uh, good things happen and are followed with bad things. So now, obviously, we are in that part of the cycle. Of course, the, the, the Ukraine war, and of course, the global uh, pandemic, all these things have disrupted supply chains. And this supply chain disruption has also changed behavior in many ways. Okay. And when behavior and supply, change, change, supply chains change, then obviously markets have to react. And what we are seeing now is okay. the U.S. had spent a lot of money trying to, con um, uh, trying to contain the pandemic. Okay. Europe had spent a lot, lot of money trying to contain the pandemic. And U.S. has been spending a lot of money since 2007-8 crisis. Right. What is helping the U.S. and the global economy was a uh, truly technological uh, shock, which was, uh, you know, the technology shock, which was really helping productivity everywhere in the world. But now with the pandemic and with the Ukraine crisis, we've come back to a commodities world, where commodities are in short supply and commodities are rising in prices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now that is obviously, uh, but also the U.S. Um, money supply shocks, the spending on the money in the past, is also catching up with the U.S. So there is an inflation spiral in the world. Now, how permanent or how temporary it is remains to be seen. But more and more, it seems that it will last a while. Now, while the inflationary shock lasts, Europe and the U.S. will act aggressively to contain the, the inflationary shock. And when they contain the inflation shock, the biggest instrument is interest rates. So interest rates will rise sharply. And it, as interest rates rise sharply, experience has shown and much research has shown that 
the supply of dollars to the to the to the poorer country shrinks rapidly as interest rates rise because all um, you know the, uh, there is a flight to safety as they call it. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to run to the U.S. in uncertain times. What do I mean by run to the U.S.? Everybody wants to buy the dollar because the mm -hmm. dollar is the equivalent of gold. It's a U.S. It's a global safety currency. Now, when everybody is going to the dollar, obviously our currency will depreciate. When interest rates are rising in the West, interest rates will rise here too. Unfortunately, it's happening while we are also experiencing a shock. But look, the point is we can't blame anybody. We should have, you know, developed reserves. India has 100 billion plus. We should have developed reserves. We should have saved up for a bad time. Every family saves up for difficult times. Our countries did not, and we are suffering. And why didn't we suffer? Because we are too busy playing um, a welfare state, subsidy state, we are playing these shenanigans, and not thinking about global competitiveness, and not thinking about creating a safety net for the coming future. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew that at some point, fun times would end, and they have ended now. So people who have money in their pocket are going to be okay. People who don't have money in the pocket, like Pakistan and Sri Lanka, have to go begging. Right. And when you beg, you have to, you know, do whatever is necessary. But even now, my advice to Pakistan is, and I would say the same thing to Sri Lanka, please change your vision. Please join the globalization revolution. Open out your economies. Make your economies more productive. Stop protecting labor. Stop protecting industry. We must go towards productivity and competitiveness. What now, Dr. Uh, Nadeem? You, you say, please change your vision, vision, globalization, just, just get on board with it. Um, and and uh, Sri Lanka here is today struggling uh, to uh, provide for necessities that the people require. Um, there is an acute shortage of fuel, um, essential mm. drugs. At the same time, uh, yes, you're talking about how uh, Sri Lanka and countries like Sri Lanka are in today's situation. But what now? How do we um, manage this situation in the immediate short term? In the immediate short term, there is no substitute for the IMF. The IMF was designed for that. You will have to take and accept the IMF program. My advice is take it consciously, carefully, and take their advice, but at the same time, go much further. IMF advice is going to be much more on the fiscal side and the monetary side. They might expect some interest rate increases. You might expect some tax increases. You might expect some um, exchange rate uh, further depreciation. Okay, these are the my major big ticket item that will come along. But then, of course, there are other things. For example, we've been talking about bank privatization in Sri Lanka for a long time. Okay. Can we now bring that to some sort of uh, conclusion? For example, we've been talking about labor laws. I don't know, as I said, I'm a little far removed, but how much have labor laws changed? Um, we've been talking about opening out um, uh, the, the, for example, Sri Lanka, in, I remember when I was there, I tried to um, get this thing done that uh, foreigners can buy Sri Lankan real estate, but that mm -hmm. was reversed. So we need to figure out how we can attract capital. 
How do you attract right. capital? Well, you can allow people to come in. Lots of countries allow people to come in by real estate. Lots of people allow uh, people to come in and set up businesses. There are all kinds of things that need to be done. You can create special economic zones, which you've tried to. I know they've been done, but how successful are they? We need to look at that. At the same time, we need to think about, we talked about it when I was there, how open is this Sri Lankan financial market? We have need to make it more open. We need to try and make it more efficient. Mm -hmm. Why is it that Dubai can have a very good financial market? Singapore can have it. Why not Sri Lanka? Sri Lanka's ports are efficient, but you know, you let um, uh, you the Dubai took over some of your business. How can we make them more efficient? So there are so many things that can be done and right. should be done. Deep structural reform. I think you accept the IMF program, but also think about it and think deeply, investigate and undertake deep structure. Mm -hmm. uh, let us go in for a short commercial break here at Hyde Park to return uh, soon and discuss Sri Lanka's uh, negotiations and what Sri Lanka should look forward to as we uh, look to work out a program with the IMF. Do stay with us. Welcome back. Uh, we are in discussion with Dr. Nadim Ulhaq, the uh, Deputy Chairman of the Planning Commission of Pakistan, who was also an IMF resident representative to Sri Lanka during the period from 2000 to 2003. Uh, Dr. Ulhaq, I think you have uh, worked at the time with then Prime Minister uh, Ranil Wickremesinghe, who is now the Prime Minister of Sri Lanka. There has been a change of uh, Sri Lanka's uh, legislatures, how, how uh, the cabinet is being functioned. There is a new setup, but at the same time, the problem is the same. We see it worsening um, as Sri Lanka tries to source funds. However, um, you have worked with the, uh, the Prime Minister then, who is also the current Prime Minister. Tell us what you look forward to do here in Sri Lanka if given an opportunity to work with us. I think, quite frankly, there are two things that need to be done all over South Asia. We are too hyper-politicized. We tend to politicize everything. We tend to politicize even the market. We tend to politicize the central bank. We tend to politicize public sector enterprises. I think one thing that needs to be done is we must make sure that the public sector, whatever it does, whether it runs trains, whether it runs electricity, whether it runs banks, must be very efficient. Policy making must be very efficient, quick, and capable of reacting to the sudden changes in the global market because the global market now is super efficient. Second thing, we must make our countries very attractive. We have to get over this, this burden of history that we carry where we think that we are special. We are not special. Everybody is history. We have history, they have history too. Mm -hmm. But we must understand that we don't eat history. We eat food now, eat we have we need pharmaceuticals we need fuel and all that has to be paid for and we must make sure that we earn enough to pay for it mm -hmm. so we must make sure that efficiency prevails everywhere this business of giving subsidies to preferred sectors and subsidies on a political basis because somebody has political um, advantages that has to end we must ensure that every bit of taxpayer money is efficiently used. 
and there are no subsidies that are hanging about and that no labor is sitting there unproductively. And we must ensure that we can do things innovatively and creatively like the rest of the world. Take China, take Singapore, take Vietnam, everybody, take Vietnam. Vietnam was nowhere in 2000. Look at where Vietnam is now. So we must ensure, and Vietnam is not that much bigger than Sri Lanka, we must ensure that we are capable of taking on challenges of the global market. Like I said, for example, Sri Lanka should have been the tea center of the world. Uh -huh. Yet Sri Lanka, even though it produces a lot of tea and is probably has fine quality tea, but the brand names of Sri Lanka are not as big as Lipton, which started off in Sri Lanka, right? So we really have to see how we can create more brand names, how we can develop more global, globally efficient and globally desirable products. This means that we must have a lot of R&D, a lot of development, um, uh, you know, corporate governance development that allows uh, innovation to happen. Now, I remember when I was there, corporate governance in Sri Lanka was very good. Mm -hmm. You had corporate professionals, you had a diversified ownership of companies, you had very good companies. But those companies were contest constantly contesting with the government. They were uh, like in Pakistan. Our companies are constantly contesting with the government too contesting regulation, contesting space, contesting taxation, etc. We must stop this adversarial relationship. Governments and companies must work together to build products that are sellable in the international world, to build products that will make the country more attractive, like tourism. Sri Lankan tourism was very attractive and is still very attractive, but Sri Lankan hotel stock and the tourist infrastructure I think would now re need reinvigorating or resuscitation. Are we doing that? Do we have enough to do that? And secondly, even if you involve, even if you resuscitate that, uh, that infrastructure, what is it that makes Sri Lanka attractive apart from the God-given attributes of weather and uh, the beach? Right. Uh, take Dubai, take other countries. They do package other things that have to, that can be done mm -hmm. to make the tourism more, to make tourism more attractive. So I think more than anything, what we need is imagination and a lot of cooperation and a lot of will to say, hey, we count and we're going to make it. Uh, Dr. Nadim, you, you speak about these industries that we can work on so Sri Lanka can look at a better future. Uh, let's talk a little about FDIs and investments now. Uh, there is a viewpoint that Asia may be a safer place to invest in, but investors say it's premature to jump into investments in Asia. Doesn't this mean as prices are soaring elsewhere in the developed world and other parts too, uh, Sri Lanka could bank on this situation and work towards attracting more investors or in your view do we need to put other infrastructure or other um, uh, maybe economic factors in place so before we jump to attract more investors I think investors are like honeybees they come where there's activity <laughs> so quite frankly we pay too much attention to FDI FDI will come wherever there is local investment what needs to be thought about is Sri Lanka has, a, as I said, a lot of good corporates. I, I admire things like John Keels or, uh, you know, um, there's so many good companies, Haley's, etc. 
why don't we allow these companies to expand and invest rapidly? Why are these companies not attracting more capital locally? I think the most the, the key to investment is local investment. Mm -hmm. Local investment is what attracts foreign investment. If there's a buzz of local investment, you'll see that every foreigner will rush to you. And that is the direction that we should go in. Let the local investor work. What happens in these countries, in my country, for example, I've seen again and again, that we are so busy looking after the foreign mm -hmm. investor, giving the foreign investor a lot of uh, advantages in tax holidays, land availability, many things. We handicap the local investor. So I think that key is to think about the local investor, let them go forward. I remember there were some good entrepreneurs in Sri Lanka who ran away. Lots of Pakistani very good investors are running away from the country and I wrote a number of papers on this and I still do. Countries that make it attract talent don't repel talent. One very good indicator of a country's development is, is your talent being sent out or is it coming back? China developed when its talent came back. India started growing fast when its talent came back. My country talents are leaving every day and they're, 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 we are sending them out more and more because we are looking for remittances. I think the same is the case in Sri Lanka. Are you attracting your talent back? Is your talent making investments? Is your talent making new products? I think that's the direction in which we must go. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just expect foreign investment to do it. Uh, on the on the uh, management of current um, deficit and food shortages, Dr. Ulhak, how do you suggest we navigate this? Yes, we see India sending in immediate support uh, with their uh, credit lines and we see China, Japan and the United States too uh, discussing ways to support Sri Lanka and there are a lot of funds incoming but yet this is not sufficient to cover Sri Lanka's fuel bill. In June alone we're trying to manage the situation um, and the trade gap that's widening. Of course imports are banned. How do we look at managing this while the IMF is also calling Sri Lanka to ensure that our debt are sustainable, that the debt is sustainable in order to move ahead with mm -hmm. an IMF program. So what do we do here? Because it looks like investments or putting other infrastructure in place takes uh, somewhat time before we implement those. Oh, indeed, of course it does, of course it does. And food precedes everything else, as you know, the hierarchy of needs. Food is the most important need. You can't do anything. You can't avoid it. I, I think most of us can't even skip a meal. So yes, of course, these things are very important. And uh, related to this, let me also talk about this. Debt, there's no way of getting out of debt. So unfortunately, uh, um, uh, leaders think that taking debt is like buying candy or something. I think one should be very careful. We should be very careful, especially taking dollar debt. We should not take dollar debt. But now it's been done. You have uh, you have dollar debt. It has to be paid back. Okay. So there's no way out. The best thing to do is take the IMF pain and figure out a path on how to return the debt. Yes, a restructuring may be involved, but that can only be done if the IMF helps you. So even if all that is done there will be pain there will be pain first thing is to recognize is there will be pain and the question is we try and tell we don't don't try and tell the people the truth so that there is pain take it i think the first thing is for the leaders to tell people that there is going to be pain and ensure that the pain is shared equally in some fashion i'm not saying totally equally 
but in some fashion the pain is shared equally if fuel is not available then folks let's walk and bike for a while let's do things to ensure that everybody sees that we can save fuel let's save fuel for a while stop going to um, you know the beach every day stop going to gaul or whatever just you know we have to start thinking of saving the fuel if food is expensive and food is not available share the pain but there will be pain and we have to work on a solid program maybe it'll take a year or two to put sri lanka back on its legs mm -hmm. but even when you're putting a putting the country back on its financial legs there is no question about it that we need to develop a whole new vision for sri lanka in which the priests and everybody has to come together and say guys for example i remember when i was in sri lanka there were a few uh, casinos there and there was always controversy should these casino casinos be closed down or not now i do remember i mean i kept telling people look as far as i'm concerned i'm a muslim yes casinos are banned here but look when you're hungry casinos are okay so let's think about it. I'm just giving that as an example. Uh -huh. That we tend to ban things without thinking. We have to figure out what uh, what people want, tourists want, etc. And we have to provide it. Otherwise, yes, of course, the pain has to be shared. Uh, on the currency front, uh, the, the Sri Lankan rupee has been depreciating um, beyond mm -hmm. uh, imaginable levels but the central bank has mm -hmm. intervened there have been talks and observations uh, suggestions that a currency board would be the way forward do you subscribe to the same um, same view look the currency board is is okay i mean yeah it's a solution it's a possibility but as i said argentina tried it and failed if you have a currency board, that means that the currency board then puts a certain discipline on everything. To support the currency board, then you have to make your labor market very flexible. So if the currency board requires that you will have to fire some public sector workers, if the currency board requires that you will have to have a fiscal balance that may require that you know you can't give subsidies you can't do many things currency board if anything is a disciplining device okay. and if you are not willing to accept the discipline then currency boards can also explode and give you difficult difficulty difficult times argentina for example had a few days when no money was available at all people were running around looking for um, currency and looking for food etc there were riots and things so yes Currency board is a solution. I'm not saying it isn't, like many other things. But all solutions point to the same thing. Discipline, discipline, discipline. Mm -hmm. Taking the pain of discipline. Like, for example, like you join the army, you've got to wake up at 6 in the morning, you've got to wake up at 6 in the morning. So the currency board will require fiscal discipline of a very high magnitude. It will require a monetary discipline of a very high magnitude. It will require labor discipline of a very high magnitude, subsidy discipline, all these disciplines have to be done. So currency board is not a free good. It's a very difficult thing to do. Good, but you have to accept the discipline. Uh, finally, Dr. Uthak, we have just a couple of minutes on the show, but um, mm. as we move ahead here, solving Sri Lanka's economic issue, you, you spoke about uh, diversifying, you spoke about the need to revive uh, state-owned enterprises. The Prime Minister has spoken about the need to uh, privatize Sri Lankan Airlines, our national carrier. Um, 
But there are systems, uh, uh, the, there are protests in Sri Lanka calling for a change in system. So how do we achieve this? What do we do in order to get there while making our state-owned enterprises more um, profitable to the economy? When I was there, Sri Lanka airline privatization was being debated. When I was there, the bank of, um, uh, what is that, the famous big, two big banks, they were being talked about being privatized. I, I mean, these issues have been on the table for a long time. The question is whether you privatize or not. Okay, you could, I think privatization is a very good option. Okay. But even if you don't privatize, uh, many countries haven't, run the enterprises efficiently, not politically, not to maximize employment, but to maximize profit. I think the key issue is a change of vision. What I hope Prime Minister Ranil does, and I've talked to him many times on this, we, Sri Lanka needs a new vision, but that vision will not be pain-free. The vision has to be bold and challenging, and as a leader, he must carry the people with him. He must sell the vision to people. The people must come together to buy the new vision. Okay. The vision must require talent to take its place. The vision must require local investment to take its place. The vision must be bold and visionary, like Dubai and many countries have done. And that vision must be sold to the people and everybody must be ready to participate in it. If you can do that, things will happen. But if you still work on the same old issues, privatize Sri Lankan Airlines, privatize this bank, privatize that, that's part of a solution, not a whole solution. Mm -hmm. The solution has to be much bigger than that. Uh, thank you, Dr. Uh, Nadeem Ulhaq, for your time here. But very quickly, mm -hmm. if you're given a, an opportunity, uh, if Sri Lanka seeks an opportunity to uh, get your, uh, uh, you on board as on an advisory role, would you be interested to join Sri Lanka's um, part? Certainly. Towards? I love Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, I regard my second home. Of course, I would. I mean, of course, why not? Sri Lanka is a great country. I think it's a lot of potential. But the point is, technical advisors can only do so much. Ultimately, there has to be a political compact. Okay. There has to be a political uh, view. And all Sri Lankans must accept where they want to go in the future. Right. Thank you very much, Dr. Nadeem Ulhaq, yeah. once again for your time, for joining us virtually. I know it's a very busy day for you. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be with Sri Lanka. Yes, we had with us. Yes, thank you for joining us again. We had with us Dr. Nadeem Ulhaq, Vice Chancellor of the Pakistan Institute of Development Economics, uh, and served as the Deputy Chairman of the Planning Commission of Pakistan. Dr. Haq has served in the International Monetary Fund for 24 years and has implemented public security reforms in Sri Lanka during his time as the IMF resident representative from year 2000 to 2003. Thank you for joining joining us here at Hyde Park. We'll see you again next week at the same time with yet another discussion. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.